Hello, beautiful people. My name is Mitchell, and this is the Back to the Present podcast, where I sit down and discuss this roller coaster we call life with people of all different smells and smiles. On today's episode of the podcast, we have Jackie Gabb. Amongst other things, Jackie is a researcher and professor of sociology and intimacy at the Open University in England. Welcome, Jackie. How's life? Very well. Thank you for having me. And it's lovely to meet you. It's all good here. A bit autumnal in the UK. Is it? It is. um, Your morning, isn't it? Yes. So it's um, start of work morning for me, looking out on beautiful autumnal kind of leaves. So life's pretty good. (laughs) Lovely. It's just uh, coming to spring, sorry, in Australia. And um, I mean, it's it's funny. It's kind of warm. It kind of warmed up quite early this year. Like a month ago, we started to get random hot days. And then um, it sort of went back to, I'd say, standard spring. But I mean... I don't know if you've ever been to Australia, but it doesn't really get that cold here. <laughs> it's, just, it's pretty nice, especially where I am. I'm in Newcastle, so it's like it's in the middle. It's it's in a pretty good spot. Like of all the places I've been to, the, the weather here is um, yeah, second to none. So grateful for that. Um, before we dive into it, Jackie, obviously that was a short explanation. Um, if you can just um, dive as deep as you feel the need to, um, I'm, and I'm sure other people are interested in um, sort of how you got where you are at the moment and what you're doing with yourself nowadays, please. Um, well, I started uh, life actually as a filmmaker uh, many, many, many moons ago and then went into community media, but I quickly decided that it wasn't for me and it's because all of my life I thought well I want to change the world but it it wasn't a grandiose I want to change the world in some broad brush sweeping gestures it was it's that one day at a time those small quiet things that we do to make a difference in in lives and so I went back to study a PhD and did my doctorate in women's studies um and that was um <laughs> many many moons ago some 30 plus years ago um and since then i've been researching relationships family life intimacy sex sexuality gender and all things um up close and personal and that's because it's not because I'm nosy. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Is it you're nosy and you want to know what everyone else does? Um, it's really not. It's because I think how we exist in the world is about how we relate to one another. And actually, we don't know very much about how we relate to one another, strangely. So we know, for example, lots of things about why relationships break up, all the stressors. But until we did the big landmark st- study in the UK, we didn't really know what people were doing to stay together. So the everyday, the ordinary, what were the, the, the small things they were doing to make their relationships work and sustain over time. So that's what I've been doing for a, a very long time. And I still find it wonderfully exciting. Um, I've moved a bit more into relationships and sex education at the moment, but it, it's a similar thing. It's about, you know, how do young people experience themselves um, as they're first coming into acceptance and awareness of, of their own sense of self? Awesome. I'm um, 
very excited for this conversation. Um, where I first um, seen you, heard of you, was read your work was through the Paired app. Now I know some people are going to be familiar with it, some aren't. You're you're no longer working there at the moment, um, but. I've got a few questions around that and a lot that that aren't to be perfectly honest but I mean for me my partner and I use the app and we've done it for like over a year and a half now and um and I love it I love it because I feel we're both very honest on the app um and also as you would know <laughs> better than anybody it sort of prompts you to ask questions that you often wouldn't wouldn't ask your partner and or wouldn't even ask yourself. Like a lot of the time I'm like, oh yeah, that's something I'm probably a little hesitant in asking my partner, um, but I've thought about it before. And other times I'm just like, I, I haven't written any example questions down, but other times I'm like, oh gee, that's that's a, that's a pretty um, pretty serious. And a lot of them are lighthearted, but a lot of them, um, I mean, every day we, we love it because it um, um, we are continually learning about each other and well, I can't speak for her, but I feel it's probably the same and learning about myself in relationships, you know, and, and, um, and seeing how things haven't worked and have worked in prior relationships. Um, but more so specifically with the, with the current relationship for obvious reasons. Um, but what, 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 what did you find working at the app that was sort of most interesting? Was there something that's, um, you know, you've been around, you've been around this space for so long. Was there something whilst working there anyway that you found interesting with this new sort of technology dynamic with in the app, kind of? Mm. Um, well, it was <clears throat> excuse me. It was interesting when Kevin Shannon, the um, CEO, asked me, was I interested to join the app? Because you know, as I've said, I, I want to make small change I want to make change in people's lives and when you're an academic what you tend to do is you do research and if you're lucky it gets picked up by the media reported if not you're writing articles and you know a handful of people read them um, if you're lucky a few dozen of your books um, but working with the app meant what you could do was actually say you know this is all the stuff I know this is research evidence this is relationship science and I can actually put this into practice. I can say, in my experience, in my knowledge of all of the research that I've read and the stuff that I've completed myself, this is how relationships are working. And these are the sort of areas we could look at. And so it was really interesting to go into that app at the very, very early, early stages and, until it's you know now the, the biggest one globally. Um, but to really think about how could you work with people and, and it is very much that coming together of each individual the couple and the app so it's not even three parts there's four parts of that equation that all come together to make something work and unlike a lot of the um, quantified um, relationship stuff or the behavioral information technology stuff it isn't that everything happens in the app so we ask a question there's something probing and then everything goes offline. And I think that's why it works. And that's why it's very important because a question was say, you know, how, you know, what was the last time you and your partner argued over money? And then you have to have that conversation, but you don't have it in the app. You don't text each other with your answers. You reflect upon it during the day usually, and you answer it immediately. And then you see your partner's answer and then you reflect upon it and then you come back to it. And that's the point It's that, asking you to have that moment of reflection 
as you're there in your working life or in your home life, and then to come back and talk about something. So you're basically embedding that dialogue, those everyday relationship thoughts and questions and gestures in your relationship. And that's a good relationship practice. It's a good habit to get into. And I think that's why it's so successful. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to know what my relationship would be without the app because it is within the app, obviously. So it's it's you know you, you can't compare it. But I have absolutely no doubt that it's 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 made our relationship stronger because you know it's it's highlighted certain things. Um, one thing I was thinking about earlier was it's it's, it's so funny because um, there's there's certain questions and whatnot that 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 you you are you ask of yourself to answer and then you ask you answer the same questions about your partner and it's always so funny like we 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 enjoy it and you know there's a little bit of friendly competition there because you, you you get to see who who knows the other one more and but what's what's interesting is is often you think you know well i, I do anyway you think you actually know a lot more than you really do <laughs> and then you get these answers and you have these conversations after the fact um and yeah, you really, it's, it just really starts to open up the other person and, and the relationship and um, in air, into areas that you possibly wouldn't have before. And sorry, that's what I was also going to say. And then also I find it also allows us to have um, what I believe to be better conversations, you know, outside the app, you know, learning more about each other. So, I mean, I love it. So it's, 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 it's a great, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really <laughs> So what, what, what some people have said is, yeah, but, you know, it raises really difficult topics and we end up having an argument. And and it's, it's yeah, you may be having an argument, but actually that discontent, that, that disconnect was already there. Yeah. You weren't covering it. You weren't engaging with it. So, yeah, it's just there simmering. It's festering away under the surface. And we know that actually arguments can be really positive in relationships. Yeah. Couples should argue. Yeah. whatever we mean by argue so it's constructive um dialogue but it may be done in a more heated way but i yeah. think what the app does very well is teach people how to argue so yeah. it's that you know you're being respectful you're thinking about who the person is you're starting with i feel statements rather than like you always do this so it's on a one-by-one one example and i think we we presume we all know how to have relationships because we were brought up in families. We were we've seen our siblings, our friends have relationships, and actually none of us are taught how to have relationships. We repeat patterns, sometimes negative. We make it up. We see the things on the television or in films, and we think, well, they're not very good examples. But we don't actually know the skills that we need to conduct ourselves in relationships and to have that reflexivity about ourselves and think, well, you know, why am I feeling so upset by that comment? Because it's disproportionate, my level of feeling, and to actually learn about ourselves. And it isn't necessarily aimed at couples who need relationship support as an intervention. So it isn't ones who are in complete distress and need a one-to-one counselling situation, for example, although it can help in those situations while you're waiting. Um, but it is aimed for just the the vast majority of relationships that are just happening every yeah. day, and yeah. that's why that's why it's aimed at helping everyone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned there um, about arguing 
or, or, or our own definition of arguing, healthy arguing, whatever you want to call it. I think people probably understand what I mean if I say healthy arguing and given the fact that you, you just sort of said that, how important it is. And I fully agree. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think I fully understood that um, before the app. Or maybe I had a, a bit of an understanding or a concept of it, but I didn't fully recognize the benefit in being able to have that um, that have those conversations with another person that nonviolent communication you know it's 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 well it's i find anyway in a relationship it's it's got to be top three top two to be able to communicate with that that other person um so maybe let's start there because i have my own opinion on it sorry perspective on it but as far as having those conversations going and and i I was going to say having those hard conversations which is also what you touched on but it does it doesn't well you you tell me it doesn't necessarily have to be hard conversations it's it's in i feel it's it's in anything it's the small stuff it's the big stuff it's just being able to converse with the other person because we're so different and stuff like that and and, um you know try and come to a mutual understanding and and you know uh if there is an issue trying to resolve the issue at large rather than the person's pitfalls um so yeah maybe just maybe just in your in your words that that healthy arguing um healthy arguing is crucial i mean so many people are conflict avoidant i was conflict avoidant my natural tendency my natural state is to be conflict avoidant as many of us and i think what we do then is think well if we don't argue argue then that will be all good because then it hasn't happened and you know no one burst the bubble well actually of course nothing happens with that it's all just there and you're having the conversation in your head and you're finding the resolution in your head without your partner being involved and that's really not good so it's important to think it's okay to make yourself vulnerable to say you know I'm finding this really upsetting or what you're doing is really annoying to me because it's just it's different to my way of thinking about something or you know you're loading the dishwasher in a way that just pushes my buttons it's not a big thing it's just a little thing but you know I think it's really good to have a system for example so it's those sort of things those everyday things which we think don't matter but in relationships they become symbolic so no one ever well very very few people would actually think how one loads a dishwasher is a deal breaker but in a relationship it suddenly becomes weaponized and it's like this is a really big deal because you don't load the dishwasher properly oh let's spiral into a massive argument about we're very different and we can't be together (laughs) so it's about just saying hey you know we do things differently is there a way of compromising can you do it one day i do it the next day just finding ways to talk about the stuff and find positive solutions to those examples in the specifics of the example as opposed to the you don't do any housework so it's it's being quite clear that you, you just need to engage with each other and hold on to the fact that this is your partner, this is your relationship, it's the one you've chosen and you wanna be in it. So let's find a way to enhance the relationship without making everything catastrophic. Yeah, yeah, that's it's true. I, I like the fact that you pointed out um, I like a positive solution to a specific example because it, it's so, easy as you said there's lots of these things to symbolic it's so easy to start the conversation in one area and then it 
very quickly just jump jump ship and go to somewhere else and then all of a sudden you know 10 minutes down the track you're thinking what are we even discuss what are we even talking about at the beginning of this conversation so like yeah like specifically highlight specifically just keeping it on topic it can would make just i mean it seems simple but it just makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah and it, and it's also being respectful of your partner if you jump on them the minute they come in the house and say by the way you know hi how are you how was your day oh and another thing <laughs> um, it's not a good time and so it's it's listening to your partner if they say look can you just give me an hour i need to decompress then we can come back to it and making sure you do both agree you will come back to something. So it's agreeing with each other when's an okay time to raise things because it isn't always in the heat of the moment. It isn't always where it's convenient to you, which is really annoying as a human because we really want things on our own terms, don't we? So, you know, it is thinking what what's, what's my partner's needs and being there for them and also listening to my needs and thinking, right, well, we both have to somewhere agree a point where we can talk about something which may be trivial or it may be something important like, you know, I don't like how the finances are working in this relationship. You're controlling how much we spend. You're making the big decisions. What can we do about that? So it's just thinking about when those conversations can happen and then having the, the competency, the skill to actually say, right this is how we go through this this is how we talk about it it might be sitting down with a piece of paper it might be agreeing to come back to it on another day not everything can be resolved in one day it might be small steps and it's all of those things which when we put them together help us to communicate with one another and not to explode not to think this is relationship breaking this is the deal breaker yeah i've been waiting for this i knew this would happen i knew they were going to do something and then exiting without actually even having a word spoken between you about it yeah it's it's quite crazy when you think about how many relationships can, can go that way and sort of just like you know one little thing on top of another little thing on top of another little thing and like you said we make things bigger in our heads than what they actually really are um using the dishwasher mm. example um I, I you you mentioned their um sort of individual needs uh, I'll be perfectly honest and say in prior relationships, I was pretty shitty at that. Like I, until recently, have been able to recognize that what I mean by that is like, I know I have my needs and other people have other people's needs. But for a long time, for whatever reason, I thought other people's needs were more like mine than they actually are, not recognizing people have their own needs. Anyway, it's quite selfish and almost embarrassing, but it is what it is. And I recognize it nowadays, but, um, you know, in my current relationship, it's, it's, it's not like that because we are very open and we communicate well and things like that. But nonetheless, you know, people do have different needs, which is what you just said. Um, is it as simple as, you know, sitting, having a conversation with your partner and, and saying, what are your needs? Because I feel like that's, uh, there's, 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 it's, <laughs> that's a pretty friggin' loaded question. I feel like there's, there's also going to be some specific examples. And, and I'm not to say that that doesn't mean you can't start the, the conversation, something like that. But I, for some reason, I'm not the expert. So you tell me, like, I, I feel like that's probably not the best, not the best conversation starter. <laughs> um. <laughs> that would be a big one, wouldn't it? Um, but it also presupposes we know what our needs are. 
Um, and most of us don't know what our needs are. We just yeah, know cool. when they're not being met. So yeah. you want to know what your needs and you know what your needs are when your partner's not meeting them. So it's it's not the direct way. Of, often isn't the best way. So saying you know what do you need generally <laughs> um, isn't going to help. How, however, saying that if if something's you know getting heated and it's like well saying well what do you need for us to resolve this what would be the compromise why do you feel this way about something I feel this way because in my childhood this happened or you know I feel this way because I've always done it this way I've always you know I've always had a cup of coffee first thing in the morning and that's what I expect and I want then a conversation with my coffee therefore I presume everyone wants a cup of coffee and wants wants to talk first thing in the morning and suddenly you're going out with a partner who thinks not really into coffee till about 11 and don't speak to me because I'm a bear with a sore head because I don't do mornings and suddenly you're thinking like oh you mean my worldview isn't the same as everyone else's how do we get through that so it is why do you feel that you know what is there something we can do to compromise around there what do you need in the morning is it that I make you a coffee and then I disappear for half an hour and I go and read the paper or I go and talk to my friends or whatever you need? Maybe you nip down the shop and you buy a paper and you sit in a cafe. So it's respecting that you have your own needs and, and that might be different personal space. It might be different modes of communication first thing in the morning or last thing at night. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, you're a morning person. I'm not necessarily a morning person. So, you know, how, how would you communicate that? And it isn't saying what are your needs. It's saying in this specific instance, why why is that not working? How can we make that a better experience for both of us? And that's not being all you know. It all sounds all very lofty and airy, you know, up in the air. And isn't it all great in theory? But it, it is really quite simple because if you get the basics right, if you agree the structure, the scaffolding of the relationship, then the rest can flourish. Yeah. But you'll often find that arguments will happen at particular points in the day might be first thing in the morning it might be when someone comes home at work it might be around meal times especially if they're a family um yeah, young children meal times really big hot spots so it's just thinking about well what what's not working what is working and how can we make that better yeah yeah for sure no, that's a it's a great way to put it um you you, you also mentioned there that um sometimes we don't even know what our needs are first and foremost to, to first even communicate with them. Um, and I can only use myself as an example. Sometimes I think I know what my needs are. And then, you know, <laughs> a few hours pass, a few days pass, even a couple of weeks pass. And I'm like, mm, that's actually not really what I really needed there. I was just, you know, like, I, I, I'm not saying that I was lying. I'm saying that I thought I knew what I needed. And then upon reflection or, whatever it ended up being um i then go back and, and i'm like oh no that's that's actually far from what i really needed in that moment you know and then i've got to be sort of you know brave enough whatever you want to call it to then go back and sort of say no that's you know fucked up whatever this blah 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 this and that but you know it is again i keep saying the silly questions like other than asking ourselves what we really need um you know, is because sometimes it's hard to be sort of honest with others if we're not honest with ourselves, and and sometimes it's just hard to be honest with ourselves. I find anyway. So, you know, like I, I find being a little bit uh, easier on myself is the starting point, and and then it's and then 
Um, and then what I feel and think seems to be a little bit more honest with myself again. And then, then, then the communicating it is, is sort of a different parts, the next step, but for people that, you know, maybe they're having repeat conversations with their partner or, or repeat conversations with themselves, whatever it ends up being like, how do people, how can people sort of have that conversation with themselves before having, having it with their mm. partner or, or just anybody really, I suppose. Mm. I think what you're describing is what we all do. We get dug in, you know, and, and you've, you've dug that little hole for yourself. So it's like, well, this is my needs. This is what I, this is what my, my space that I need emotionally. And then it's like, oh, that, that, that feels like that, that might be comforting. And then you dig a bit deeper and you dig a bit deeper. And we make presumptions quite often about what our needs are and we do so on the basis of past experience that may be past experience when we were young it may be past experience from other relationships most of us have had multiple relationships very few people meet the love of their life at 13 14 and stay with them for the rest of their lives so most of us have had multiple relationships in some state and form and that gives us bad patterns so we know about ourselves through our relationships with others, whether it be, as I said, parents or partners or friends or colleagues at work. If your boss is a monster, then you're going to feel like, well, you know, I'm always looking for defence. I'm always looking for how I can not be blamed for something. And you will take that home and you will think, right, this is what I need. I need to make sure that I'm not the one who's picked on and blamed. And so it is bearing in mind, you know, all of that context stuff, all of that outer stuff. And think, well, what do I need? And mostly what we all need is to think, well, I need to feel safe. I need to feel secure. But you also need to feel open. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the big one, isn't it? That's the conundrum, because being open means you can sometimes feel not safe and not secure because someone can be challenging to you and say, well, is that really what's good for you? Is that really what's good for us? And then suddenly what you felt was something secure about yourself, something that you were certain about is unraveling and I think what you were describing there Mitch is is really positive it's about saying we change over time as well so what we wanted when we were 20 might not what we want at 40 when we're 60 and that's important to be open to that sense of evolving and thinking yeah I used to feel really uptight about this and now yeah you know used to be the dishwasher matter we've got kids Dishwasher is not important anymore. So it's right out the window. You know, I'm just grateful there's a clean spoon. So, you know, whatever you think might be circumstantial as well about, you know, what's going on in, in life at that particular point. But it is being just open to that chance. Oh, maybe I've shifted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's one of those ones. I love the simple ones that in in that you just said like we do change over time. So why wouldn't our needs change over time? And, and why wouldn't our partners needs change over time? And why wouldn't the collective relationship change over time? So yeah, I think it's, I haven't really thought about it like that, you know, knowing that I, I'm, I'm very well aware that I'm, everybody's continually changing, but yeah, also re realizing that um, a need six months ago, 12 months ago, or whatever, it doesn't really matter long ago may may be a need still but also may may have changed you know might not be there at all which is what you were kind of saying or may maybe it's you know, slight, slightly different as, as time progresses and so i suppose it's, it's very important to realize that and, and probably not um attach get caught up too much and attach ourselves to those needs because um yeah um 
you, you mentioned safety and security um, and obviously openness and those few things are obviously pretty huge from you know like a biological standpoint whatever you want to whatever you want to call it I, I feel we all want to be safe and and secure um, do you find do you find those types of things change with individual needs or do you you know because safety and security I assume can mean one thing for some person and another for another like I feel like you know food and a house and things like that 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 provides safety and security but there's also probably more to it than just some of those basic things or well, they might not be I'm not sure what is, is is there a little bit more to it in, in those situations well there definitely is I think pretty much across the board people need a sense of home and yeah. can mean many things it isn't just bricks and mortar but it is a sense of belonging of of purpose and futurity and you know <clears throat> past present and future excuse me and so it is you know it's past present and future it's that sense of you can be your authentic self there and it's okay whereas in other contexts you may not be able to bring yourself completely to the table because you're at work or something and you have to be quote professional um so I think home definitely can't be underestimated and it's what all relationships strive to build and it's about that sense of being in it together and whether it be you know one partner or three partners doesn't matter it's actually about how how is that all hanging together and how does that feel safe and make you feel that you're having your needs met and that you can explore who you are and be the person you want to be in life and I think that that is one one really and um, but the other things that are really important for safety and security is is trust and it's about knowing that nothing's going to happen which is going to blow this apart it's about you both have agreed if you're, if you're in a committed long-term relationship, long-term being one month or 20 years, doesn't matter, you've agreed, you, you have a future together, um, then that you're both in it and you're both wanting this relationship to last and that's an ab agreed objective. And you can trust that and you know you're going on that journey together and you may, you know, you may fall off that road. <laughs> you may fall off that road you may have big disagreements, you may wander off into the wilderness occasionally and get lost, but you know you're going to come back and yeah. you can help your partner back onto that path if they get lost too. But it is that sense of you're in it together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's, that's, it's, it's so true that it's a simple sense of, yeah, just working together for that common objective in, in this conversation that, common objective is just to be together long term which is um which is what we all strive for um the enduring love project that i've read read about can you um i'm not going to even attempt to butcher it but can you um <laughs> uh, because i'm interested in it can you just first explain what it is and and um what your involvement is with it because i, I think it's great thank you um 
we did this study that well, we started about 10 years ago now. Um, and it's as I said at the beginning that there was no evidence at all, no search evidence about how couples sustained their relationship. There was um, lots of information from small research studies. There was lots of information through counselling and the therapeutic um, experiences that people have, but and, and through therapists and counsellors themselves. But actually, there was no large scale study which says, well, you know, what are the ordinary things that people are doing? What is the everyday of a working relationship? Whatever that means. <clears throat> and so we set out to do a study with 50 couples in the UK, and that was qualitative, very much multiple methods going down um deeply into their relationship with each other and um of themselves into that relationship so there's one-to-one interviews there were couple interviews there was lots of different funky methods um and we also did a study um which was survey and you set out to do a survey and you think oh well, you know we'll get 500 people and be really pleased and, and in academic terms that's a pretty big study if you're doing mixed methods but we we had thousands. We we, we suddenly had five and a half thousand people doing this uh, survey in a very short space of time, and then it went, ended up about seven and a half thousand globally. And you just realise people want to talk about their relationships. People really want to talk about what's making them work, and it's because we don't hear that very much. We don't hear very much about oh, these are the things that are making my relationship feel a good one, good enough in some cases so you know we we can read about you know what are the positives of a relationship and there's this ideal fantasy relationship and it's and it's all lovely and it isn't all 2.2 kids it's might have a dog now might have a couple of cats um but it's it's about saying how how are these two people making it work for them and acknowledging that relationships can be very different and can be working and it might be that it's not a relationship that you or I would want but it's working for those two individuals and it's sustaining their personal life together and it and it's meeting their needs for what they want and that might be because their emotional needs are being met by colleagues at work it might be they don't want intimacy because they just don't feel sexual it might be time of life it might just be they don't feel very sexual. And that's also okay. So we we shouldn't have all of these things. Well, if there's sexual discrepancy, that means differences in desire between the partners, the relationship will break down. All the research tells us that. Well, my research didn't tell us that. Um, my research said, actually, couples think that all relationships will have different sex drives because we want different amounts of cups of tea. We want different amounts of walks in the countryside. Therefore, it's highly likely we want different amounts of sex. And that's what couples just thought. It's a very pragmatic attitude, is that it's just one part of the relationship. They want to talk different times. They want to talk a different amount. So we were very much interested in how are couples negotiating those, those differences, those um, their different needs, but also over time, whether it be, as I said, six months, six years, 60 years, how are they actually coming to terms with themselves and their relationship changing over those times? And it was just fantastic. It was the most rewarding thing I've ever done in terms of research um, because 
I learned a lot about people. I learned lots about relationships. I learned lots about myself because you can recognize yourself in lots of different things. But for example, we had one open free text question in a survey, which I thought was a good idea when we had 500 people. Not quite so good when you've got 7,500, um, <laughs> when you've got it coded. Um, but it was, what does your partner do that makes you feel appreciated? And we thought there would be things like, oh, you know, says thank you, holds me, you know, um, buys me flowers. But I don't know. We, we thought we thought we put a whole load of our assumptions, cultural assumptions to what people would say. And what people were saying, well, makes me a cup of tea or coffee in the morning, um, takes the dog out when it's raining, sorts the recycling because they know I hate it. They were saying the most ordinary mundane thing that really had gone under the radar in terms of relationship science. We weren't very attentive to those incidental, ordinary, small things that couples were doing for each other, partners were doing for each other, which were making that couple relationship function really well. And I think that was the most eye-opening moment for me that we really do need to, I mean, I say I like the everyday and I look at small things in relationships. I mean, I needed to scale down another 10%, you know, you really need to pair back to the, how are relationships working almost on a minute by minute basis, or certainly in that 24 seven cycle. Yeah. I've got a question about that. Those, the, the mundane, the, there's, there's, there's types of things because I, I find that to be super interesting. And when I read that, it made a lot of sense. But I, I thought just put do you find it? Do you find them to be differences between sexes, or is it that mundane that it's more um, like task oriented or whatever? Um, there were gender differences, um, but actually it was more sophisticated than that in the sense of there were differences between mothers and fathers, oh. but not so much between the unmarried mother, uh, sorry, the un, uh, the child-free woman and the yeah. parent, uh, father, sorry, wrong words. Um, so that was interesting. So, and, and also about sexuality. So gay men, for example, were far more similar to uh, to women overall than they were to heterosexual men in terms of those small gestures. Things like that were just really interesting. And this whole load of stuff about cultural norms there that we bring into relationships. I think the differences that we could see, especially around gender and parenthood, and that was the big marker, and you might expect that in many ways, is because that's when the sex has become very different in cultures, in Western culture now. Um, were, um, I'll go back to my cup of tea example, um, cup or coffee, <laughs> other beverages are available. Um, yes. So mothers were highly appreciative of their partner bringing them a cup of tea or coffee in the morning, on the weekend, to give them 10 minutes break. Yeah. No one else noticed it as much, but that group particularly really appreciated that. And what was fantastic for me about noticing those sort of gender differences, and the media picked it up and it went massive everywhere, you know, you know um, China Today picked it up, you know, every, everywhere picked it up, um, was I was then in my local market 
and a guy was selling me <laughs> selling me some vegetables as one does um and he says do you know i read this something really interesting in the paper this morning that if you take your, your quote misses a cup of tea in the morning then you know that's that's really important and do you know i've been doing that for the last 25 years and i feel really good about myself <laughs> and that, that point the reflexivity that i you know we, we touched upon earlier we all do things but we don't know we do them so the, the whole point about gestures is that when we do them Two, we know we do them and we do them consciously. We do them because we know they're important. And three, your partner knows them. They see them and they appreciate them. They say thank you or they give a smile, they give a hug or they just give a knowing look. It doesn't matter what they do, but there's an exchange in that gesture. And that's the point of saying this is why we've got to talk about all of this. It's why I did the app. It's why I did all the media stuff at the time and still do. I'm talking to you today is because... If we do a gesture and it goes unnoticed, then you're hellish resentful. You've taken your partner a cup of tea for 20 years. They've not even noticed. It's gone cold every day. Sometimes they drink it, sometimes they don't. That's not going to work because a gesture only works if it's given, noted, received, acknowledged, all of those things. There's a cycle, a, a virtuous cycle, we might call it. And that's how gestures work. Yeah. And I think that's why this kind of research was necessary it's why we should keep conversations going about those very small gestures yeah yeah and it's um i mean firstly i'll say because i know my partner listened to this the coffee one is such a good example but when i first started making my partner coffee in the morning she'd tell me how much she loved it and, and i thought she was like overplaying it a little bit and i was just like oh it's like it's really not that big of a deal. I, I really, I actually like making it for you. It's, it doesn't take me that long, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, but for her, um, it was a big deal, you know. And and for it's it's that's the example that we're using. But it's very much to do with the gesture. Um, I suppose everybody's going to have their own way of of um, receiving that gesture and giving that gesture, depending on what it is for that person. Those people, sorry. Um, but what I, I I find is is, and I don't know why. I mean, she likes coffee in this in this instance. So I use this as an example. It, it's very much where we're coming from, like say a place of love when we do that gesture. Even though it doesn't, in my opinion, anyway. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it really doesn't matter how big it is. I mean, the bigger the gesture, yeah, maybe you know, the bigger the outcome, whatever you want to call it. But but also how we are offering that gesture i feel anyway has a large part to do with it um so well in, interestingly in the study the bigger the gesture the less important it was oh well, there you go okay <laughs> the huge bouquet of flowers on valentine's day oh yeah nice don't get me wrong you know there's nothing wrong with a bunch of flowers but actually Picking something from a meadow, maybe, or from your own garden. Or in the study, there was a, a, an older man, and he picked his wife the first rose that bloomed in the garden that he tended every year. Once a year, one rose. And she loved it. It was the most important gesture, and she cherished it so deeply because he'd done it every year. He did loads of other things as well. But that was the thing that for her, she mentioned that as the one thing that was the biggest thing that showed she was appreciated. And it is 
just thinking how do you connect with your partner and it is about attentiveness so if you made your partner a coffee in the way that you liked coffee for example and you just put a cup down and it wasn't a mug she liked it was a big chunky mug because that's what you like none of it works the whole point is thinking what does this person like and making sure you do that thoughtfulness for them yeah no it's it's I'm laughing again because it's true because I drink strong black coffee and she drinks weak cappuccino. So if I want to give her strong black coffee, there's absolutely no way she's going to drink it and vice versa. If someone were to make me a weak cappuccino, I'd be like, no, thank you. I mean, I appreciate it, but no, no, <laughs> I'm not going to drink that. Um, but <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, the, the question I was going to about ask about the ordinary mundane mundane things that you mentioned before um is is what why do you think they i mean we're touching on it in a way but why do you think they are so important you know like no doubt there's it's important to still you know maybe do bigger surprises and stuff here and there even though you're saying it's not necessarily proportionate but like if, if from your research and, and in your own opinion, why is it that these simple things just have such a big impact in, on people and in relationships? Because it's how we live our lives. You know, we don't live them through birthdays. You know, yes, I'm not saying don't do the birthday card and gift, um, whatever that gift might be and whatever the card might be. Um, but we live our lives through small things, the everyday. We, we live our day through the incidental and there's been lots of really interesting research about ordinary moments and how we experience our sense of place in the world through those ordinary moments and and the increase in you know mindfulness and just being attentive to the world around us that all of that stuff gets more important actually <laughs> to just say you know we're grounded we're here we're we're doing this on an everyday basis and so those everyday small things are the things that will knit that relationship together for the long term so it's not just hooking it on important milestones which may be important but they're not the thing that's going to hold it together on a daily basis yeah for sure no that's that's great okay and um you know, I, I feel like as I get older and I just, you know, you experience more and you learn more about life, it very much, I mean, in relationships for sure, but just in life in general, it very much feels as though I get the most enjoyment from the little things. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the coffee or obviously when people have kids, it, it's a lot of things that are around kids and, and stuff like that. So it's it's um it's obviously going to be super important in every aspect of life and in this conversation obviously we're talking about relationships and and whatnot so it's it's um yeah i think it's i think it's great to like to to recognize it to realize that it doesn't have to be extravagant you know you've you've done the research and and i mean um really whether you how much you believe it or not like if you were to go out and just try it yourself you're going to see that in the relationship it has a huge impact aren't you like well i mean i, I know again from speaking from experience it does it's this these these impacts mm. are huge and so um yeah so it's 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 just great. it's good to know that it's it can be those little things those mundane things that we might not realize are making such a big impact on someone else actually really do matter in the grand scheme of things 
absolutely. Um, but it's also, we, we get a sense of this is the script, the relationship script we see in the movies or on television or we've read in books or, you know, from magazines as young people um, online, very much online now. Um, <clears throat> but actually, some of those things, the, there's a truth in a lot of that stuff, but we tend to forget about it once we get into relationships that are ongoing. So, for example, date night. Date night's one of these things. It's talked about all the time, you know, how do you spice up your sex life and how do you have a date night? And those two things are not um, the same thing, obviously. But how do you actually think about your partner is what's being said. So it's saying, be attentive to your relationship as well as everything else in life. So it's not just thinking, oh, you know, this is what I want, this is what my partner wants. Yeah, it's all going fantastic, let's carry on. Because actually what we often lose sight of is the third part in our sense of self, which is the relationship. The couple as an entity is a third part in that relationship and it needs some work. It needs a bit of TLC occasionally. And having a date night says, right, to the exclusion of all of us and everything else in our lives, we are going to focus on this thing this couple thing that we've got together. And that's really important. And it doesn't mean going out for lavish, expensive meals occasionally. That might be nice if you can afford it. But in the study, in the Enduring Love study, we had a couple talking, they were very, very poor. Um, and, I, and I'm using that word appropriately. Um, very much living on uh, welfare benefits with children, sharing bedrooms. It, 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 they, they were living in um, extremists in many ways in a Western concept. Um, and what they were talking about was their date night. They still wanted to do a date night, even though they slept in the living room. So they, they didn't have a space as such that they could do many things in. They couldn't afford babysitters. So they would have dinner. And what they do, they, they'd cook themselves a special dinner, which was, you know, meagre in, in many ways. And then they'd have a chocolate bar that they'd cut up and they'd make it special, like a bar of chocolates. But it would just be one bar of chocolate cut up. And they would make it special. They would make it this big treat for themselves because that's what they deserve. They deserve that in their relationship. And it was the most thoughtful, attentive, small gesture, again, to them as individuals and to their relationship, that they deserve this in the context of everything else they were going through. This was the thing that they thought they really looked forward to. You know, once a week, they were going to have this special night, which was just for them. And I think if we all did that and we we really thought about, you know, I'm going to make this relationship feel really important once a week, once a fortnight. For some people, if, if your parents and date night with um, adolescents is nigh impossible because they stay up later than us, but you can't go out and leave them. And, you know, that whole conundrum if you haven't got the, the wherewithal for babysitters. So another couple talked about going for a coffee. And once a week they went down the road and they had a coffee and a pastry. And that for them was this lovely moment. And they didn't even talk. They sat and read the papers separately, but they had this quiet space where they could be together in this space together, enjoying each other's company, not talking, just quiet, enjoying the coffee, probably black and cappuccinos uh, separately. And that was really important. And I think it is carving out that time for what the relationship needs at that point in time, which is what a day night or any point in the day really is yeah for sure um you know it's it's 
I can't help but think a lot of this, um, a lot of everything really, but it, it often comes down to um, many things. But but for, for me right now, it's it's, it's about a, having a you know a wide, open perspective on things. You know because um, I, I feel anyway like if we're able to be open to to anything, and if we're able to see how lucky we are and we're able to be grateful in the small things that that is where i feel anyway that's where there's so much um enjoyment to to be had because if you can enjoy the absolute smallest things regardless of what they are and and when they happen sort of everything can be enjoyed and and like you said regardless of how much money you got in the situation like if you really want to make it happen you can make it happen and if people in that instance can make it happen i'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast can definitely make it happen so <laughs> there's no um there's no reason why it's um why it can't happen so that's great um i, I was going to ask we've sort of touched on it a little bit here and there but you know setting a good um setting a good example um of a relationship for children in my opinion is very important like i have two two little girls and they are they're everything to me everything to me so that's one of the biggest things in my life you know so um other than other than sort of other than you know um acting and saying what we do and doing what we say and, and being being that example, being the physical example, showing them, modelling that behaviour. Um, do you find, you know, with with relationships that there's certain things like, I use this as a bit of an example, you know, sometimes um, I've, I've heard parents say that, and I, and I shared this belief once upon a time too, that it was important not to argue in front of children. I no longer believe that. I now believe it's it's very important to argue in front of children, depending on what the argument is, but it comes back to that healthy argument that, that we spoke about early on, you know, because, and the reason I say it is because if we don't argue in front of children, then they're likely not going to see how a healthy argument can happen. And then so they grow up, like I grew, grew up, and didn't really know how to, you know, handle that situation. So that's just an example. But um, you know, are, are there things like that that you can think of that that make sense to you as far as uh, – it doesn't have to be parents, but like, I suppose I'm coming out from the parents thing because I am a parent. <laughs> no, no, parenting is, is a good example, especially with younger children as well. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, arguing in front of children is something we, we shouldn't shield them from. Um, but it's also not having big rows, and, and yeah. that's that difference, isn't it? Shouting not good thing to do in front of kids really because they become really frightened and and they'll always internalize it and think it's their fault because they're present <laughs> so it is just as you say that healthy falling out that you know this is a problem we're going to discuss this in in maybe irate terms but not by shouting at each other certainly not in abusive terms where you're doing that destructive name calling and and just talking about well you know no I don't want that you know how can we how can we get somewhere more positive and then agreeing to take it later on in the day when they're not there if that's needed as well because we can't always resolve things happily but you can I think in front of children very much say you know let's agree to disagree let's take this to later <laughs> and then come back to it so you, you reach a compromise which is kids can feel okay they're agreeing to disagree that's okay that's safe the world isn't going to fall apart around me 
Um, but the other thing with kids is how to behave in an embodied sense. You know, what is that there's this thing that people grew up in in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Well, you know, you shouldn't be at all physical in front of children. You shouldn't kiss, you shouldn't hug, you know, you, you should be proper, you should be a proper parent, um, which means being only a parent and not a partner. And actually, it's okay to, in fact, not okay, it's, it's, it's necessary to show our children how to be affectionate with each other, what are the appropriate boundaries, and to teach them about, you know, when, when is affection good, when is it not good, you know, is it okay to have a kiss after an argument? Well, for some people that doesn't work, you know, that, that's a really negative thing for them. So to thinking, well, you know, is it okay just to, what's the meaning of a hand on someone's hand? You know, hand holding. How how appropriate is that? And also, how important is hand holding, for example? So we know. I mean, you're mentioning with children. We know for gay couples, for example, holding hands is something they can't all do in public. Well, well, how did how does a child, if their parents, make sense of that? That they can't be seen to be a couple publicly. So children learn everything. They see everything. <laughs> they absolutely see everything. And we, and we do need to think about what are we communicating to them through our embodied gestures, through our sense of connection to our partner, through the way we communicate with our partner, and to show that we are loving, relational, attentive human beings and respectful, deeply respectful of others' perspectives. And that might be that, you know, you don't want to kiss in public because you think that may be offensive to other people's sensibilities. It might be that you want to show them that you want to just cuddle up on the sofa in a big family hug. And that's really important to say, we can all be here together and our bodies are bodies and they are meant to touch each other. Because again, going back to my research, what people were saying was that the impact, the positive impact of a partner's hand on your body just on your arm for reassurance on your knee on your holding hand the importance of that gesture cannot be underestimated and it's the same for children when they're feeling insecure when they're feeling they've had a really hard day at school just putting your arm on them you know putting your arms around them and just hugging not to shut it down not to say okay let's just hug it out but actually to say let's I'm here for you. This, this is me being this person in the world next to you, with you, and together we've got this. And for kids to learn that is really important. And I think you're right with the arguments. That is part of that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, there, of course, you, you made a good point there. Obviously, if it gets to rowdy, um, you know, there's <laughs> there's there's going to be a line. Um and I mean, the, the angle that I was coming at that from was um, you, you just, you're not really, well, not really. I, I mean, I can't ever remember ever learning anything about this at school. You know, it's been a while since I was at school, but nonetheless, um, you know, so we're only really seeing relationships mainly from our parents. My parents have a good relationship, so I learn a lot from them, but, you know, and, and other parents, but you really, you, even other parents, even like, uncles and aunties and good friends, parents and th things like that. You're only really sort of seeing snippets. You're not really seeing how, how things really go on. So I just think it's, yeah, it's just obviously hugely important to, um, for everybody, of course, but in particular 
parents to realize that where where um, that our children the impact um, we have on our children in everything but in this instance and it's so important to realize that relationships and stuff like that are come into it it's a, it's a huge factor um, so yeah anyway it's it's just it interests me a lot um, I, I I believe in I believe it is incredibly important to have an open heart for ourselves, just just in general. Um, and I believe that is a huge contributor into our relationship. Um, and I also believe that you know when 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 that's not necessarily the case, um, things can be hard for the person individually, which is then going to make it quite difficult for the relationship. Um, and you know, sometimes that situation has to do with the relationship and other times it just has to do with that person, you know, because it could be work or could be anything, could be just their their own things that are going on. Um, and it is what it is. Um, but, you know, when, when we find partners in that space, um, obviously we want to help them as best as we can. But, you know, sometimes... Um, we either can't because it's 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 their thing, and sometimes it's just sort of I think you know where I'm going with this. But sometimes you know we we can only do what we can only do. We can only hold space for that person. We can offer advice, but maybe they don't want to hear advice. So, from your experience and your research, obviously, um, you know when people when we are going through things, is is it coming down to specific needs again, like we've been talking about, or um, what have you found that sort of um, sort of stood out amongst other things in those types of situations? Um, it was interesting, the, the immediate response we have is, you know, oh, we can give advice. Yeah. Well, actually, mostly, no, it's just listening. And, and listening to that person, let, letting them talk through what they need to talk through and to find the different routes through for themselves because what we might do might be different. It might also be not right. <laughs> so giving advice isn't what that person's looking for, quite likely. What they're probably looking for is just a space to air what they're feeling and to think about possible solutions for themselves. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, my nature is I'm a problem solver. I want to solve everyone's problems. I find it really, really hard not to want to sort everything instantly. If there's a technical problem, I have no technical skills whatsoever, but I'll be a person there. So no, let me help. Um, I'm always failing in that regard. But, um, but it's really important to not do that in relationships, to think, right, you, you've got this and it's really difficult for you. I think you could do this. This might be helpful. Because actually that's not what that person needs. What that person needs is for you to just be there for them and to be that sounding board and to just, yeah, you might, you know, say, well, how's that making you feel? You know, have you thought about, you know, talking to someone else? Have you, have you thought about, you know, you could try something else, but it's not giving them a solution because that isn't what you're, that isn't what our partners need. If they're asking for that, if they're saying, what do you think? Then great, offer your opinion. 
but also accept it's your opinion. And when they kind of look like, well, that's not very helpful, accept that it might not be helpful, rather than thinking, no, I am right, because this is what I think, and it worked for me. Because, yeah, that, that might be true or not, but it doesn't mean it works for them. So mostly it is accepting in relationships that we are just the person they need, not their person who's going to give them all the solutions. Yeah, yeah, love it. They're just the person we need. Don't don't have to necessarily feel like we um we're the one to solve the problems. I'm problem solver too, so I feel your pain. I'm, I, I, exactly it's what, hard. Not, not easy. It's very hard for me to keep my mouth closed sometimes, but um, it's part of the it's part of the process. It's part of the fun. Um, if you had to give a couple's one piece of advice, I know, and I know we've spoken about the mundane and I fully, fully believe it, but if there was sort of one thing that, that you've learned maybe outside of that um, for a, like a successful relationship, what, what do you think it would be? Be attentive to your partner and learn what your communication style is in your relationship. And that's not one of the, you know, the tick box communication styles in some, you know, five ways of communicating. Um, but lots of couples communicate, all couples communicate in different ways. And learn how you and your partner communicating. It may be a silent gesture of hand on arm. It may be cups of coffee in the morning. It may be speaking everything out loud and saying how you're feeling. It may be none of those things as well. But learning how you and your partner communicate, appreciating that style of communication and just going with it and yep. not thinking there's anything wrong with it, not trying to change it, but to acknowledge that's how you communicate and to make it more effective. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Nice and, another nice and simple one, but very, very powerful. Um, just a thought just popped in to mind there you know there's uh, i think it's the, the the five love languages the love languages that are quite popular it, it, do you find that you know I, I, it's it's quite obvious that some people you can do tests and things like that and some people are higher on some than others and, and i firmly believe that lots of people just chop and change between others do, do you find it's i mean i understand what you're saying as far as the communication piece goes but do you find those sort of things that are um those types of concepts help um, identify that communication? Do you find there's a little bit more to it? Is it a conversation starter? Yeah, um, all of the above and a bit more. Um, I think people find reassurance. Oh, yes, we do that. Oh, we do a bit of that and we do a bit of this. The purpose of those things really are to just get you thinking about your relationship. So any... Any quiz you do on a relationship, like, you know, the paired starter question in the morning, it isn't that that question is going to help you solve any issues you're having in your relationship. It's just that you're thinking about your relationship. In the end, it is just you are giving that small moment of time and that reflection over the day and coming back to it, you're thinking about your partner and your relationship. And that's what's important. And so all of those things you know, whether it be five love languages or, you know, the types of personality we are in relationships or all of the different, you know, psychometric quizzes that we can do, 
it's about thinking about the relationship because as you say we're not taught it in schools we're not taught about it in the media we can maybe do a, a few multiple choice questions in a magazine or something or online um but that doesn't teach you it's about thinking about your partner and trying to improve and that and that's sounds very virtuous in one way but it is true if, if we're in this in a relationship and we think this is something I cherish this is something I want to work then why wouldn't you want to make it better yeah. and we would think about that if you know if we want to learn to drive we learn to drive a car if we want to do a different recipe we read a recipe why and we cook it and if it doesn't work we try it a different way then why wouldn't you do that in your relationship why wouldn't we think let's put work into this and it is work um in the sense of its thoughtfulness why would we not think that's important and we should do it on a regular basis if not a daily basis because it's probably the most important thing in our lives for the vast majority of the pop adult population yeah for sure and we, we especially when we plan on spending the rest of our lives with a with one particular person where it's mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense to make it um make that environment as, as, um, you know, as loving and as supportive as we can. So it all makes sense. Um, I really appreciate this conversation, Jackie. It's been, it's been great. As you can see, I'm quite curious in, in, in this topic. I feel like I could talk to you, talk to you for ages. We didn't get to some of the talking points, but, um, yeah, it's been good. Maybe you do it again another time. It's, it's been, it's been really nice to, to hear, you know, from someone as experienced as you, um, who has also, you know, been around this space for such a long period of time. You've been heavily involved in research and, and researching, you know, the things that make relationship work, like, like you've been talking about, not necessarily things that don't make things work. Cause yeah, I feel they're also important, you know, but like, unless we know what a relationship works and if we're just concentrating on the things that don't, it's kind of, it makes it pretty hard to, to, um, to, to fully know how, um, how much potential there there is in those situations. So, it's been great. Um, is there any questions you had anything you wanted to bring up before we started to wrap up? No, it's just by all means talk again. Happy. It's, it's, it's what, it's what makes it interesting for me. Just talking to people who have a vested interest. I think most people do. Um, but just actually talking through everyone's perspective because you're bringing yourself to the table as well you know I can't take myself away from the table can I you know we we come with our own personal stuff as well when we have conversations and I think it's important that when people are listening to this they'll bring their own stuff to the table and and that's what makes it work yeah for sure fully agree um okay that's great I appreciate that um before you let people know where they can find you just the last question. What does the present moment mean to you, Jackie? Uh, you need a contact. So what, the present moment, what do you mean? Sorry. <laughs> too, too big. It is a vague question. There's, there's no right or wrong answer, by the way, but it's the only question I like to ask people, the one common question on the podcast. And it's, you know, it's just, um, it's like, what, what does the present moment mean to you? What, what, is, what, is, what is presence to you? You know, how do you practice presence what if, if, if <laughs> so, the, 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 the present moment the present moment for me given the political context we're in globally is i feel 
incredibly grateful for the life that I have, the people that I have around me, and a sense of we need to hold on tight to humanity. Yeah. We really need to hold on tight to things we cherish and what's important in life. Yeah, for sure. It's so true. People like you and I are very, very, very lucky um, compared mm. to some other people in the world. So it's true. We can't. It's, um, yeah, it's true because it's, 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 it's inevitable that, that there's, there's other things that are going to go on, unfortunately, but it's, it's so, also so important in many ways to realize that we can't give up on anybody especially humanity because um yeah life without it is <laughs> i'm not sure what it is to be honest with you because we wouldn't be here so i appreciate that thank mm -hmm. you great, great answer um where can people find you sorry jackie um i work at the open university in the uk so they can find me at um open.ac.uk uh, jackie gap and um i previously worked prepared so they can check out the app and you'll see a lot of the guidance and information i've put on there too so any of the above awesome i put it in the show notes and yeah like i said uh, i mentioned before that I love the app. I use the app. It makes it sort of makes all the things that you've you've learned and know of sort of a lot easier to digest for most people that probably aren't as you know well versed on the topic. But also, it makes it most questions are pretty lighthearted as well. And if not nothing else, they they certainly get conversations started one way or other. So it's good to people should check it out. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, Jackie. Once again, appreciate your time. Thanks for everything. And um, yeah. It's been, it's been a great chat. Okay, that's great. Speak soon. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe wherever your ears choose to listen and leave a review if this podcast has helped broaden that horizon. I'd love to hear from you and what you got out of this episode. Stay weird, be yourself, and above all, remember to step over the ants.